Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will recap the week that was, including thoughts on recent investor sentiment, the latest inflation data, an update on Q4 earnings and more. Plus, of course, we will also preview for you what you can expect in the week ahead. Uh, joining me this morning for the conversation, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, a Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Matt, happy Friday. Thank you for joining us again and looking forward to our conversation. Hey, good morning, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Matt, you think about equity markets over the past few days now. Earlier in the week leading up to Wednesday, we did see some upside momentum. This was heading into that January CPI print, Consumer Price Index data, which we received on Thursday morning. I know we'll cover that in a bit more detail later in our conversation. But from your vantage point, Matt, what kind of sentiment are you picking up on recently relative to what we were witnessing in the markets, those spouts of volatility back? in January when we last spoke. Yeah, so you're right, Dan. We did see some pretty strong gains over the course of Tuesday and Wednesday heading into the CPI print that we received just yesterday morning. And despite the clawback in markets since we last spoke about three weeks ago, investor sentiment has fallen in some cases and does remain at lower than normal levels in other cases. So what I mean by this is if we look at two recent data points we received this past week alone, Our very own latest UBS investor sentiment survey did show a 7 percentage point decrease in those respondents saying they were optimistic about the economic outlook over the next 12 months. There was another 7 percentage point decrease in those that were optimistic about the stock market over the next six months. And about 48% of those surveyed were concerned about a market downturn. And just to put these survey results into context, the survey was conducted from January 11th through the 24th, so it does remain uh, pretty timely still. But secondly, another indicator that we do keep an eye on is the American Association of Individual Investors Survey, which is published weekly and asks investors if they're bullish, neutral, or bearish about the stock market over the next six months. And just yesterday, we received a reading that showed just less than 25% of investors were bullish, which is lower than 90% of all readings going back to 1987. But if we dig into the data a little deeper and try to understand what this means for equity markets, and we've published on this before, but when we do get bullish readings of below 25%, while the ISM is above 55, this generally does lead to attractive returns over the next three to 12 months. So if I had to sum it up, Dan, sentiment does remain lower than normal for both the economy and the stock market, but If economic and earnings growth do continue to be strong, as we do expect, then equity should continue to generate positive returns from here. Well, Matt, that was very helpful. Thank you for providing us a look into investor sentiment and how that's been contributing to recent market activity. So again, I I know we last spoke, it was maybe about a month ago at this point. Can you remind us of CIO's outlook for equity returns over the first half and how your team is recommending that investors be allocated within equities? Has anything changed since we last spoke? Yeah, definitely. So during the first half of the year, Um, We do see further upside for equity markets with our June S&P 500 price target being 5,000. And while that does seem like a little bit of a stretch to get to considering the recent market volatility, we do think there are some encouraging trends taking place. So first, while the pandemic does remain a part of our daily lives, trends have been much more encouraging as daily cases are falling quite rapidly post the Omicron surge. And some major cities, including New York, 
are starting to roll back some of their restrictions, including loosening um, its mask mandate. Second, while the Fed is withdrawing stimulus, monetary policy is far from restrictive. And as we've highlighted before, equities can still generate positive returns over the six to 12 months following the first Fed rate hike, although at a more moderate pace, which is something to keep in mind. And third, we do expect economic and earnings growth to remain strong, which should both be supported by strong household finances and demand, as well as rising business spending. And of course, there are risks to our outlook. And just to quickly touch on those, if inflation does stay hot for longer than expected, the Fed may be inclined to tighten policy at a much faster rate. Also, if a new variant turns out to to be more serious than Omicron, this would be a negative development. And lastly, while there have been some encouraging signs of supply chain disruptions easing in pockets of the economy, if these do these issues do continue to linger more broadly, then that could be another setback. So with all this in mind, we do continue to recommend that investors have a slight cyclical tilt in their equity portfolios, although we would deem it to be prudent to start scaling this back over the course of the year. So specifically within sectors, we do have most preferred views on consumer discretionary, energy, financials, and industrials, which actually is a new preference for us since we did last speak, Dan. So just to quickly touch on our rationale, we think that this sector does look intriguing over the next few months as we start to see a potential improvement in the aerospace complex, which does make up roughly 20% of the index, a pickup in energy capex, improving supply chains, and we're still seeing a wide gap in relative performance versus the ISM manufacturing index, which has had quite a strong correlation over the past 20 years. Now, moving on to size and style, we still do like our preference for mid-caps over large caps as valuations and earnings growth remain attractive. And finally, we continue to have a preference for value over growth, which should continue to benefit as growth remains strong and interest rates move higher. Great. Well, Matt, thank you for updating us on CIO's allocation preferences within equities and speaking to an outlook for returns over the first half. So maybe we can revisit that CPI print, which, of course, did make a big splash yesterday morning, uh, did disrupt the momentum in equity markets. How bad is CIO interpreting the data point? And aside from CPI, were there any other notable data releases from this past week that you can speak to? Yeah, so just quickly on yesterday's CPI print, the January reading did show an increase of 0.6% on a month-over-month basis, and year-over-year, the 7.5% rate was the highest since 1982. So what are the initial takeaways from this print? We do still expect the year-over-year rate to peak out soon, as COVID cases are now falling quite rapidly here in the U.S., which should give a number of people the confidence to return to the labor force, Additionally, the fallen case count should start to lead to a shift back towards spending on services, which has been a bit slower to recover. And finally, it's very likely the Fed starts the hike rates in March, and we're now even seeing the market price in a high likelihood of even a 50 basis point hike occurring. So outside of the CPI print, earlier this week on Tuesday, the January reading for the NFIB Small Business Index showed us that the net percentage of businesses raising compensation hit a record high, and the percentage of businesses raising prices was at the highest level since 1974. Just yesterday, initial jobless claims came in below expectations, while continuing claims came in above expectations, although the figure was in line with the previous week's data point. And finally, later this morning, we'll get a preliminary reading of the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, which is expected to slightly increase, but 
it does remain near its lowest level over the past 10 years. Well, Matt, thank you for that recap of this week's notable data points, including some take on that CPI print. Another topic I, I thought we could spend some time on, that being Q4 earnings. We're still making our way through the reporting season, but we, we've had a lot of reporting since we last spoke, including, of course, from this past week. So, uh, Matt, how have the results been coming in relative to expectations, and what has guidance been pointing to? Yeah, so the last time we spoke, we had just heard from most of the big banks, and it feels like that was a long time ago because that's just how busy this earnings season has been. So if we dive right into the results, overall, we have been describing this earnings season as mixed, but generally still good, as we're now just about through 80% of the S&P 500 market cap. We're seeing over 75% of companies beating sales and earnings estimates, while Earnings in aggregate are beating by 6%, which, if we do put into context, is disappointing relative to the beat rates we've seen in recent quarters. But if we look at the average during the five years before COVID, this is actually a pretty solid result. We're also seeing corporate profits on track to grow by 26%, which is just a little bit shy of the 30% growth rate we had noted in our earnings preview report. But more impressively, revenue growth is set to exceed 15%, which is very strong and is offsetting a lot of the negative impact higher costs and supply chain disruptions have been having on margins. And finally, on guidance, the median first quarter 2022 estimate has only been trimmed by less than 1%, which is pretty, pretty positive considering the impact Omicron has been having on the quarter and the aggregate pace of downwards earnings revisions by analysts is still better than what we normally see. And also, there have been a few high-profile misses on guidance that led to quite large negative stock price reactions, but it does look like these were more of idiosyncratic issues for these companies, as the full-year 2022 estimate is actually up almost 1% since the start of earnings season and is being driven by the energy sector and a couple of large tech names. Well, Matt, thank you for bringing us up to speed. And to your earlier point, it has indeed been a an eventful earnings season. So thank you for some takeaways and observations there. All right. So at this point, maybe we can turn focus to the week ahead. Uh, next week, Matt, what will be on your radar that investors should be mindful of? Yeah. So next week will give us a pretty heavy number of data points for the economic calendar. And we'll also be hearing from some of the major bellwether companies within the, within the consumer sectors that are set to report earnings. So first, starting with the economic data points, we'll be keeping an eye on on Tuesday will receive another big inflation reading with the release of the producer price index for January. And at the headline level, it looks like consensus is expecting to see an increase in the month-over-month rate relative to the previous month. And we'll also be getting the latest reading on the Empire State Manufacturing Index, which, if you remember from last month, came in at a pretty disappointing level as survey respondents signaled ongoing increases in both input prices and selling prices. On Wednesday... Retail sales for January is set to come in, and after decreasing on a month-over-month basis last month, expectations are for a slightly positive reading this month. On housing, the latest NAHB housing market index reading will give us a better understanding of home builder confidence, which remains well in positive territory. And lastly, we'll receive the January industrial and manufacturing production readings. Turning to Thursday... More on housing with an update on housing starts and a preliminary January reading for building permits. We'll also receive the latest weekly initial and continuing jobless claims figures. 
And another data point on manufacturing with the February release of the Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index. And finally, on Friday, we'll be keeping an eye on existing home sales. And just to wrap up with what we'll be looking out for on the earnings front, another 8% of the S&P 500 market cap is set to report next week. And we'll hear from a number of major companies, including Walmart, Cisco, Pioneer Natural Resources, and the major hotel chains. Sounds like a busy week ahead, but Matt, as always, thank you for dropping by top of the morning, recapping for us a busy week, providing some color into the week ahead. Wish you a nice weekend and enjoy the big game on Sunday. Awesome. Thanks, Dan, and you too. And again, today we've been joined by Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients, our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.